welcome to the Seirete, a Bleach fandom community podcast brought to you by Katen Kyokotsu's Seirete-renowned game night parties, featuring the very finest middle-grade sake hand-selected by Captain Kyoriku himself. Uh, it's, it's a real good time, but you might have to wait a little while to get in. The line is always just all the way around the corner, you know, because, I mean, what can we say? Everyone is just dying to play. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. You know how this goes by now. My name is Del. Hello. And today I am joined by Nomi. Hello, hello, hello. 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 Oh my gosh, I heard you. I Yay! actually heard you. This is... <sighs> Shut I... <laughs> Yeah, genuine shock. Maybe it's because when we were not recording, I couldn't hear you at all. Nomi and I sat in silence in the voice chat for like five minutes because I had, uh, Discord hadn't picked her up and we both didn't, we, much like Kyorku and Stark, neither one of us wanted to make the first move, I guess. No. <laughs> Uh, but much like Kyoriku and Stark, we got there in the end. (laughs) Ouch. I swear my whole heart hurts with these episodes every goddamn time. Oh my gosh. (sighs) Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Let's do it. Yeah. Amazing. So we're starting off today with episode 281, Crown of Lies, Bargain's Grudge. He doesn't just sit on a throne of lies, he has a crown of them as well. Anyway, the episode starts off with, surprise, surprise, Barragon not dead. I mean, come on now. What do we have to do here? Ask your favorite color? Okay, that was bad, but still. Mm. Barragon announces mm. that he's a god, the king of Wigamundo and cannot die. He attacks Hachi again using Respira and even gets Hachi's hand. But Hachi is clever and uses Kido to chop off his hand and transport the hand inside of Barragon so Barragon starts to decay from his own power. In a last-ditch effort to get revenge, Barragon launches his attack towards Hachi as the episode goes into a flashback. In this flashback, it's explained that Barragon, sitting on his throne of lies, wearing his crown of lies, collecting his jar of hearts, is indeed king. (laughs) Is indeed king of Fuego Mundo, and he's bored. When who should turn up but Aizen, Tosin, and Gein, looking rather young in their captain's Hayoris, giving us a little insight of timelines. Aizen offers Barragon great power and a whole new world. Aladdin, anyone? Which Barragon scoffs at and tries to attack Aizen. But Aizen, it reveals... He's not that kind of romantic. There's no way. There's no way. Sorry, carry on. Uh, But Aizen, it reveals, has already defeated all of Barragon's subjects under the guise of Kyoka Sagetsu. And so Barragon, with no option otherwise, concedes defeat, but vows one day to kill Aizen and reclaim his throne. Back in the present day, it is seen that the axe he threw towards Hachi wasn't intended for Hachi at all, and is aiming for Aizen. It doesn't get very far though and disintegrates, along with Barragon, as he is at long last dethroned, decrowned, and defeated. And delicious. <laughs> I'm kidding. Nope. Uh... <laughs> it's, just, it's just dust. Um, that brings Anyone? us... Stuff. You're done, right? That was the end. That one, yeah, I'm done. Yep. Jesus Christ. Okay, sorry. Good. We're good. Episode 282, Power of the Soul. Los Lobos, attack. 
in episode 282, Love and Rose remark on the skill with which Hachi defeated second Despada Baragon. Again, delicious. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but, but neither of them basks in their companion's victory for very long. Love keeps his focus fixed on Stark, noting that once a comrade falls, a battle becomes about revenge. And this is especially scary because, as Rose points out, Stark doesn't really seem like the type to care about that. Without missing a beat, though, Love and Rose both unleash their Shikai. Love's Tengamaru becomes a ludicrously huge spiked Kanabo, and... I mean, y'all should have expected that this rose might have some thorns, which is to say, <sighs> Rose's Kinshara becomes a beautiful, agile, golden whip. Love manages to land a blow on Stark, who cascades down to the ground and is hidden temporarily by dust and smoke and rubble. And during this time, Stark just kind of lies there? Lilinette berates him for zoning out, but Stark barely acknowledges her. And so... Lilinette decides to take matters into her own, uh, hands, <laughs> barrel, magazine. At any rate, she starts firing Saros all over the dang place, giving away Stark's position to Love and Rose, both of whom don their masks. Love unleashes a giant blast of fire, which once again crashes into Stark and sends him hurtling downwards. Meanwhile, Hiyori and Toshiro get into a new argument about how best to fight Halibel, who Lisa is keeping at bay for the moment. Toshiro seems frustrated because he hasn't had the chance to learn about Hiyori and Lisa's fighting styles, but together, Lisa and Hiyori make the real state of affairs perfectly clear to Toshiro. Sure, Lisa and Hiyori have very little in common, but they both have a limited amount of time in which they can fight all out. It's the two of them. Lisa clarifies, and Toshiro on his own, even if they're facing the same enemy. We return again to Love and Rose, both of whom are feeling pretty good about the progress they've made against Stark, but that's before Stark returns, seemingly unarmed but flanked by a whole entire pack of wolves. Stark sends the wolf pack hurtling towards Love and Rose, who counter the onslaught as best they can. Rose delivers some tasty guitar riffs from his whip, because that makes sense, and Love, countering the wolves with his giant shikai, shouts to Rose that the wolves are actually saros that selectively explode. Things aren't looking great for this visor duo. Explosions abound and their masks break. Stark descends, lamenting the fact that he now has to deliver a finishing blow. And then... Seemingly out of absolutely nowhere, a blade, curved and dark and fearsome, pierces Stark's chest, stopping him in his tracks. Who even Ooh. cares? Not, <laughs> not whatever. But, oh, I can't even get into it yet. Whatever. Go, go, go. Just go. <laughs> Which leads us straight into episode 282, Stark the Lone Batter, where we pick up with Stark having just been stabbed by the shadow. The shadow is, you've probably guessed it by now, there's going to be a lot of fan soling in this episode, but it is none oh other God. than Kuaku motherfucking Sunshui. <laughs> my husband's husband. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No one. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Who explains that his Zanpakuto likes to turn childhood games into a dangerous reality? So basically, this is the Squid Games portion of the anime. 
Everyone who is around his Zampak toe has to abide by the rules of the game, including Kuraku himself. I mean, whew, talk about an entrance and an amazing thing to have hidden up his sleeve. Mm. The pair fight with Stark sending his wolves after Kuraku, but Kuraku, using the spinning top game of Bushigoma, defeats them. Kuraku then switches to Iru-Oni and states the color grey and attacks Stark's arm. Stark is quick on the uptake and finally figures out the rule to this game. The person states a color that the other person is wearing, and damage is dealt based on how much color the person saying the color is wearing. So grey didn't do much damage as Kuraku isn't wearing any. So Stark tests his theory and says white, slashing Kuraku on his back. Kuraku congratulates him on correctly guessing the game, saying the riskier the colour, the more damage, and so takes off his Hayori and says black, aiming for Stark's hollow hole. I mean... I can't. I fully can't. I'd argue that the absence of anything isn't really a colour, but never mind. Oh As God. Stark falls, the episode flashes back, giving us some more timeline and origin story. As Aizen in his Hueco Mundo outfit, well, the one he changed, the one he had before he changed when all he moves around, approaches Stark and asks if Stark killed all the Hollows that are around him. Stark explains that hollows don't last longer around him, but as Aizen looks like the type of person not to die in Stark's presence, he decides to follow him. In the present, Stark apologised to Aizen for not being able to repay his debt, and the flashback we have next is of the first time he split his soul into two and met with Lynette. As Stark dies, Love and Rose berate Kuraku for interfering in their fight. Sorry boys, I love you, but whatever you two had planned can't have been as cool as Kuraku's. And the scene shifts to Lisa, Hiyori and Toshiro, who have now finally gone Shikai slash Bankai and put on their masks. But as Stark dies, Aizen decides to end it and approaches Halibau before slashing her across the stomach, saying that she is not strong enough to fight for him before stating to Tosin and Gein that they are leaving now. Whew. Whoa. <sighs> wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. This I There were so many battles with a lot of steps to them that people were moving very quickly mm-hmm. in their fights. After so much putting that off, by the way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, this was just a whole culmination of we've had, we've been on these fights for a while now. And a now, really, yeah, a long while. In the space of three episodes, they're all over. They're done. It's time to move on. Like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that speaks to the fact that once characters who are this high level actually get serious, the battles move quickly. Because there were a lot of episodes previously where these really high level characters even acknowledged verbally that they weren't taking things seriously yet. Mm. They were just getting ready. They were, just, Or potentially looking for ways to put this off or do this differently or learn about their opponents. And then once it's go time, it is fucking go time. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. Because if we take Ichigo and Okiora, I was expecting that fight to last a lot longer. But once we actually got above the canopy and the real fight began, it didn't last that long at all. No, it was what, two episodes? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I think those episodes are... Not that I'm in a place where I can really concretely pick out, oh, these are my favorite episodes, with the exception, frankly, of 283, because A, it's a great fight, and B, this one of my fucking boys, and we get to... (laughs) 
I like the power and explanation episodes, I mm-hmm. realize, actually, when you get to finally see what people can do. I think those are so fun yeah. uh, and so satisfying. But those fast-paced, action-packed fight episodes, usually there aren't too many of them, but those episodes often tend to be my favorites in not just Bleach, but Shonen in general, I find. Mm. Okay, yeah. It depends because with these episodes, I am watch because uh, of the manga anime differences. So oh, that's fair. It does. It gets very interesting and slightly confusing coming up. Um, <laughs> so there was okay. So, oh, am yeah. I going to be disappointed? <laughs> uh, maybe. No, rephrase. How disappointed do you think I'm going to be? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Much. Let's start with the anime and manga yeah. differences, so I can decide for myself. <laughs> Fine, 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 okay. fine, fine. <laughs> we'll start with episode 281, where we've got manga chapters. I was so happy earlier this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we've got manga chapters 370, discussing a life from a god's perse- perspective, and 371, Kingdom of Hollows. Huh. Whew, manga anime differences. <laughs> so that just explains everything really yeah all th- basically all three of these episodes only were two manga chapters those are two very boring chapter <laughs> titles if i may say so they are the first one is the most straightforward thing you can imagine and the other one i find is quite predictable yeah i, I think kubo i don't want to say i was bored of barrack because granted we spent maybe the last two you and lethan and then previously you and i spent the past two episodes of the podcast highlighting at some point how cool baragon is but i think at this point it's like okay dude when are you gonna when are you gonna die really you're still here Uh, i guess death by old age is the slowest (laughs) what that may not be true that may not be true loneliness is pretty slow too and that's not just because stark well, he doesn't even he doesn't even die last because Hollybell, which is, huh? Yeah, it probably means absolutely nothing. I don't think it gets that deep. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> probably not. No. Anyway, so um, in the anime, we had that tea party with Aizen and Stark and Hollybell and Bargan. Mm. That was mm. manga. That was anime only. I actually prefer that because that felt really stupid. Why am I so critical today? (laughs) It felt really stupid. I didn't... A, why would you have just the three of them there? Because it's... I understand that these are the top three ranked Espada or something, but it's not like Stark is a better strategist than someone like Zyle, for example. Yeah. Or it... I guess it makes, I granted, if you don't have to, like, call Grimjow into the room if you don't have to, I understand <laughs> that choice, for example. But, like, why wouldn't you want Okiora there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because Okiora's got a big part to play in Huigamundo anyway, so, yeah. Exactly. Here, I'm going to leave you in charge of my fancy boy castle, but I'm not going to invite you to one of the core strategy meetings where I explain why we're leaving and where we're going. <laughs> what? Uh... Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. And I also, I, probably because it was filler, I didn't get the sense that any of the three of the Espada who were there were acting deeply in character. Mm -hmm. Hollabelle and Stark were just kind of there to show up and say yes, and Baragon was there to be petulant, and that was it. I guess it was Baragon's flashback, so fair enough, but it... 
didn't do much for it, me. It, yeah, it didn't really it didn't add, anything. add to Barragan's yep. whole reason why he's there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We get it. You're part of the 1%. Shut up. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we had the whole Barragans reveal that shock horror, he's not dead. Um, and he starts decaying the barrier. And mm-hmm. that was cool. That was anime only. Motherfucker. <laughs> um, Hatchi actually removes the barriers. <gasps> and it's oh, that's just, actually way more badass. I prefer it that is so, so hard. cool. So like Hachi, Hachi, that was such a good fight. I forgot about that fight. Yeah. Oh my god. So Hachi removes the barriers. The smoke is clearing. They're all talking, and then all of a sudden, bam! Barragans back. It's a lot more impactful, and they have no time to react. Whereas in the anime, they're literally watching this thing disintegrate right. and it's a case of you could have right, done something right. to save yourselves here but yeah right Ooh, oh my gosh because we get we'll go into this more after you finish it, the differences i suppose but mm-hmm. hachi reveals fighting capabilities that we have not seen from him right. before and he oh. also reveals he is a master he is so fucking smart he is an mm-hmm. incredible strategist as well and the fact that he makes the choice. He's proactive instead of reactive, which is so important in good strategy. Right. So the fact Ugh. that he makes the choice to remove that barrier speaks to the fact that he's willing to take calculated, emphasis on calculated risks within the context of a skill set he knows he has. Mm-hmm. That was a, we'll, we'll talk about it more in a moment, I'm sure. But yeah. that was an, I loved that fight. Oh, I forgot about it and <laughs> yeah, I loved it. So, it was so good, yeah. Um, we just had some continuity fixes. The anime retained Bergen's right hand, whereas the manga got rid of it and then brought it back. Oh. Uh, so that was oh. an, a good change. Um, again, we had the sensing of Barragan's demise. The anime defaults oh! portals. Again, All with the, the portals, like, you know, Hatchie's arm sticking out attached to a portal. No, in the manga, That was so silly. I saw that and there. I instantly was like, there is no way that's what it looks like in the manga. <laughs> it was kind of cool. It was like kind of sci-fi, but... Yeah, mm. I mean, it's still in the shield. It's still encased in that um, that shield box. Yeah, because, I mean, but why you wouldn't can... he? Of course. He's a keto master. He's a healer. Exactly. Like, sure, sure, fine, but... But yeah, you can actually see Barragan's rib cage, and you can actually see Ooh. like the bones and everything. It's attached to him, God. going from the inside. Yeah, it's so much better. It's so um, much cooler. This also all happens before Hachi explains to himself. So um, in the anime, you had the circle appear, and then him just kind of slowly out. Yeah, and the whole con. The, it was kind of it was it worked. But it was different to the manga and the mangas in their fighting. And then Barragan's like, wait, what happened to your arm? And Hatchie's like, oh, it's inside you. And then it just slowly starts to like come oh, out of him. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry, my brain went to a, to a place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, I'm just thinking about logistics now and it's not helpful. 
Cool. Yeah. Zyle isn't even in this episode. So, um. uh, speaking of hollow holes, um, we oh. go to the flashbacks now. And you know the, you know the, the hollow that gave the liquid, the liquid that hollows need water now, to Bowergan? Um, it uh, looks as though they have like... I, I kind of, frankly, I've forgotten. Yeah. I, I wasn't paying particularly close attention to this. It was just, it's a small minute of... detail in which the anime okay. gave them a ball of chain, thinking that the ball was <gasps> uh, a ball and not a hollow hole. So it was just like a really small minute difference. I was like, ha! Oh. Anime can't read a book. <laughs> anime can't read a book anyway. Um, Eisen doesn't introduce himself in the manga which i thought was an interesting story interesting choice oh i actually like that better mm-hmm. eisen would be the sort of person to think he doesn't need an introduction as well exactly exactly yeah it's kind of like this is so <laughs> uh there was you know how have you ever seen drag race <laughs> yeah i've seen some uh on the on the currently airing season uh i i can't remember the phrasing she used but one i don't even remember which queen it is this is awful one of the queens walked in and goes like of course i need no introduction and that's it and she just walks in and i just i feel like eisen has that energy as well he really does I, i feel like people often say i need no introduction and then proceed to introduce themselves i could see eisen dead ass deadpan like of course i need no introduction and then carrying on with whatever he's gonna do and everybody in the vicinity is is i mean either he i mean eisen's there to make people feel stupid anyway, so uh, um so still in this flashback anime eisen said something really interesting when he's pitching his club to barrigan he uh-huh. says that he's almost finished with his research uh-huh which is weird. The manga doesn't say this. The manga says nothing about him finishing his research. Oh, but really? If we Does it take say the... anything about the premise that if you break down the barrier between Hollow and Shinigami, you can achieve greater power? Does it say anything about that? It said basically, I can offer you a new power and a new world. Like it didn't go into as much detail as the anime did. Oh. Um, but this is interesting for one reason uh, that I could find. And that is the mm-hmm. numbering system of the Fractiones. Oh, okay. Grimjaw's Fractiones are numbered before oh. Barragan's Fractiones. Oh. So if Eisen's just turned up and he's like, oh, my research is almost finished. Yet Grimjaw's jumped to the t- Grimjaw was standing right. outside first and he got to the front of the Apple iWatch launch line first because, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, the, uh-huh, his faction uh-huh. is... Well, as you'd think with what he says here, then Barragans would be first in line because he was the first Avankar that he kind of recruited. So the timeline's a bit skew. Yeah, the timeline is a bit funny. I suppose from an Eisen's research standpoint, what that indicate Right. Thing that, gosh, I guess it's also like shit on Grim Chow hours, which I'm so sorry. But <laughs> there's no world in which Eisen is going to look at Grim Chow and go, ah, yes, this is 
This is the final form of everything I'm working towards. This is the pinnacle of holification slash shinigamification, whatever, whatever. Hogyoku can do no better. This is it. I, I did it. Hooray. <laughs> like, that's not Grimjow to Aizen at no. all. So it indicates to me that he's still working on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A guy like Aizen is bound to have more tricks up his sleeve, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and then the last difference we had is that Bowagon actually getting in on the action uh, and showcasing Kyoko, uh, Kyoko's to get to powers a bit more. Whereas oh. in the manga, it's literally just a case of um, there's no fighting. They don't converge. The hollows of random don't converge on the three of them. Um, it's okay, just yeah. revealed straight away that they're already dead and you didn't see it because it was behind Kyoga. Yeah. I like that so much better. That is so mm-hmm. much scarier. Yeah. And so much more decisive. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. you had no hope from the moment I stepped foot in here, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a bigger, better fuck you to Baragon. If it's the idea of, oh, I'm going to sit here and wait for your next move rather than, uh, because we, Aizen's always two or three steps ahead of anyone at absolute minimum. He's not going to, he's not going to wait for your next move to make his next move. He's already there and then some. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was it. That was, (laughs) that was a lot of that one. But yeah, that was it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, I guess I... The thing that sticks out to me the most about this episode is absolutely Hachi versus Baragon. Mm-hmm. No question to me. I was absolutely in, I was in that whole entire sequence. Yes. I, yeah. It was exciting. I was captivated. And it was so cool to see that shit from Hachi. I never think about Hachi as a combatant, but it's like, if you're going to be that prominent in the keto core, then you know what? I guess that actually does make sense. Track. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. And it just goes to show, despite what the Eleven think, it's not all about slashing and dicing. No. And I no, would love no. to see a fight against Ikaku or even Kenpachi against a high-ranking Kido like Hachi or oh, Tessai. Oh, that would be so fun. Mm-hmm. That would be incredibly fun. Oof. You, you know, they could probably, both sides of that equation could learn a thing or two. Oh, they could, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. These three episodes, I'm realizing there is a bit of a theme that runs through them of, I think, maybe it's it's kind of just Hachi and Kyoraku, I guess, but they are two very central figures to the Shinigami, etc. side of this fight in these three episodes, Mm -hmm. which is, oh we've seen this one side of you for the rest, for the entirety of Bleach up to now. And now you are in serious combat and holy shit, we are seeing another side of you. That applies to both Hachi and Kyoriku. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely those little twists of, bam, this is who I can be if I really put my mind to it or if the situation... And it's, it's very matter of fact mm-hmm. for both of them. Mm-hmm. What I liked, I th- and correct me if I'm wrong. Ooh, okay. S- this is from Soifon. So Soifon states that she can only use oh. her Bankai oh. once every three days. Yes, now, yes. 
Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I made a note of that and completely glossed over it because I was excited about Hachi. <laughs> yeah. So is this the first time oh we're hearing of some sort of physical limit of ba- on Bankai's? Ooh, first. Well, that's just it. We haven't seen a lot of Bankai, really. Mm-hmm. And I think the ones we have seen, the ones that we see a lot are very... Well, I was going to say, certainly Renji's. I get the sense that Renji can just kind of, like, do his... Bo- he just... he Bless him. He can just kind of go Bankai whenever and then hit things with it because his Zanpakuto takes this really big form. I betcha... Oh, nope, that's Shikai. I was going to say, I bet Love is similar, but that's Shikai. Yeah. God, that's Love's Shikai! What the <laughs> fuck is his Bankai? His <laughs> flaming uh, pickle, yeah. <laughs> flaming pickle. It kind of does. I That said, have you ever had spicy pickles before? Do you like spicy food? I don't like spicy food and I don't like pickles. <laughs> oh, well, I like both spicy food and pickles quite a lot. And I think the pickles that have jalapeno infused in them are some of the most delicious pickles there are. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Catch me flashing back to the new, Shusuke, new Captain Shusuke Yamagai arc where they say he gets drunk off sake flavored pickles when he passes out with with the Taki and Kyoriku. Uh, guys, you don't have to watch that filler arc, but if you do, know that that's the kind of delight you're you're in for. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I can't think off the top of my head of another Bankai that has a stated limitation like that. Yeah, because we've seen limitations. Maybe. Maybe we haven't. Biakuas? Have we not? Where he's... Uh, this is filler. Oh. Oh. So never mind about I that I don't think... Jeez, we haven't seen him in a minute, have we? No. I don't th- I don't know that we have, because Biakuas is another one. It- it's a different form, but effectively, his power takes the form of something vast that can cut you, and then it just does it. Mm-hmm. Death by a thousand petal hurts, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose like for the it's not really a physical time limit. It's more that right. I feel like Bankai's would have a weakness to them. They mu- well, they must. I mean, I assume. I guess we haven't really confirmed this in Soyphone's case, but she is so used to moving quickly and nimbly, and I imagine she is l- slightly less good at that with her Bankai because it's just so big. I guess. I assume, so, yeah. Jeez. But yeah, it was just an interesting thing to state that she can only use her Bankai once every three days. And it's it's right. that whole revelation gives us of like, oh. So yeah, we've now, you can see Soifon is physically drained. She is struggling having used her Bankai twice within the space of an hour when normally right. it takes three days to recharge. I also wonder though presumably as people get stronger they can get better at using their bankai and i i wouldn't be surprised if because soyphone states that she's not supposed to be able to do this twice in one day not by a long shot Mm -hmm. but now she has so maybe that limit is going to change in the future because oh my gosh it's kind of like what um, I said a couple of times when we were talking about all of those really intense fights for the Karakura gang back in when they were running through Las Noches to save Orihime, where all of these people haven't had to 
max out their powers in intense high stakes life or death situations and once they're up against those situations they they have to get stronger they don't have another choice the alternative is fail and die or Mm. your friends die and that's true of soy phone in this case too the stakes i'm sure have never been higher over the course of the tenure of her captaincy which which we know is not that long no so Even if she's been training with her Bankai for goodness knows how long back in the relative safety of the Seireite, she's, there's no way she's ever come up, against, come up against anything like this and had to use her Bankai under such stress. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with such a sweet prize as Kisuke and Abawi at the end of it, then that's oh all the motivation God, she needs. <laughs> and that's the thing as well is, bless Hachi, he would. I feel like he would. Uh-huh. <laughs> also can we just talk for a second about i I know that we already know that hachi is incredibly powerful given both what we've seen in turn back the pendulum and then also what we've seen now which of course now what we saw in turn back the pendulum was before he was a visored and had mastered his inner hollow it was also like a hundred years ago Mm -hmm. so he's had a hundred years with visored capabilities to get better at keto that's incredible. It he's, really he's is. He's probably one of the strongest fighters on the fucking map. Uh-huh. Uh, but the idea that, because Kisuke is also a keto master, the fact that Hachi is casually like, oh yeah, I can absolutely keep Urahara Kisuke inside a keto barrier. I'm like, you know what, dude? I bet you can. <laughs> and yep. that is not something, I bet you he's one of the only people who can do that. I actually, thinking about it, I wouldn't be surprised if Tessai is too, and maybe he just hangs out with Urahara in case he's like, okay, if Kisuke literally goes off the rails, then I know I can handle this, <gasps> and I need yes. to stay with him at all times oh, for that reason. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Tessai is fascinating. Anyway, we're not here to talk yeah, about him. No. I'm sure he'll come up at some point in the future, but uh, <laughs> Kisuke's not even... But that also goes to show how important to this series Kisuke is. He is mentioned one time in this episode, uh, over the course of these three episodes, and here we are. <laughs> he's, he's an icon. He's a legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> So I think the really only thing that I can take back from this episode is we've spoken a lot over the past couple of episodes is what are people's motivations for joining Aizen? Oh, yeah. Barragans was that slash he was bored, but also for revenge. Like he was defeated so badly by Aizen that the only reason he's in there right now, he's fighting for this cause he probably doesn't even believe in, is because he wants his throne back. Yeah. If his whole entire identity was tied to this role of king, Aizen literally came in and took his castle. Literally. Took his castle and remodeled it, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's now actually got a wall (laughs) and a roof. (laughs) Okay, but I also made a note of that because here's the thing. Not necessarily better, because I think a hollow's now... Which, another thing that was neat is that when when Baragon was just chilling before Aizen showed up, he was just in his release form. Which Mm. goes to show, I think... Like, that's... That's kind of the natural state of an evolved hollow. If you have all of this space, why would you keep yourself all stopped up and contained inside? Why wouldn't you just bop around Waco Mundo as you truly are? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 
Oh my god, maybe that. Oh my god, because Eisen, <gasps> Eisen doesn't allow releases for Espada's number four and above inside Las Noches. So you know what? Once he built walls and a ceiling, he then looked Baragon dead ass in the face. Haha, <laughs> because he's a skull. I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, and was like, oh, hmm, sorry, you can't be in your release form. You have to go back to looking like a sad old man while you're inside my castle. Ha 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 ha. That's. That's such a bitch move. <laughs> yeah. And I oh. wonder, though, as well, like, if the power of the Hogyoku is the thing that gave them the power to dial it back and become more human in the first place. So, like, oh. I like Baragun, that's just Baragun's natural state. But when, oh. with the power of and the Hogyoku, mm-hmm. that's when he can then become more human-like. I thought, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I thought the Hogyoku Aizen used to evolve Espada ahead of the timeline that hadn't evolved to Arankar status yet. And Baragon clearly had achieved Arankar status already, and so had Stark, and so had Hollibel. Mm-hmm. Zhao hadn't. And that's part of the reason I think he looks so animalistic in his release form is because he... I, like I, I think, I think Grim Jow anyway. Yeah, because he was just a Nethujas. He was just Panther Boy. Yeah, I also think as well. Does it have something to do with if they were a Vasta Lorde before? Do you mean had only achieved Vasto Lorde? A Vasta Lorde is the top one. So y- yeah, so so Grim Jow hadn't. Yeah, and so Aizen used the Hogyoku to speed that process along prematurely, mm-hmm. whereas someone like Stark or Baragon or Halibel had already gotten there. Oh, so you're saying maybe the Hogyoku was then used for those people to be like, here's a Zanpakuto, I guess. Yeah, here's a Zanpakuto, here's a mask. Put some some of your power here, calm down. Ugh, ew, I hate that so much. That's like, oh God. It's like, this is gonna not be on the same level of importance, I don't think at all, but it's you 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 leave home and you go out into the world and you find your own aesthetic and sense of style and identity and then you come you come back to your mom's house and your mom is like, Oh no, by the way, I've I've kept all of the clothes that you used to wear when you were sixteen and let's just say you still wear the same size as you did when you were sixteen. I don't know. And she's like, But and when you're under my roof, you have to wear all of the clothes that you really liked, you know, ten years ago. That's mm-hmm. that's you. I'm telling you that that's what that's who you are when you are under my roof, even though you know you're something bigger and better now. Yeah. That, it feels oh, it feels really the way that he's asserting his power feels really good gross yeah which is no surprise but it still feels so gross yeah you could also say that the hogyoku has given masks to people it has given masks to the visors they got the mask Uh, it's also then given a mask for these top three to mask who they truly are (laughs) get it oh (laughs) man i mean yeah yeah Gosh, yeah, as I think another theme that I've noticed as we've talked over the course of probably ever since we finished the Soul Society arc and it was revealed that Aizen was not a good dude, <laughs> I think a theme that I've noticed in our conversations is the extent to which Aizen really kind of fucked around and found out in Waco Mundo. And he's not really found out yet. Like, he hasn't had any comeuppance, but he 
is he he is imposing so much of what he wants on this place and on these people that we're already so something else. He 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 keeps we keep seeing more and more evidence of Aizen doing things to people who live in Waco Mundo or to Waco Mundo itself that defy the natural state of being in that place. He comes in and he just imposes his will right and left all the time with no regard for the way with with no regard for anybody else's perspective yeah yeah it's such a shitty thing to do what a douche (laughs) yeah his critical thinking skills are actually not as good as he makes them out to be Mm -hmm. Mm. granted i guess that's more empathy there's no way he's not he doesn't oh He's so selfish and so single-minded. Mm-hmm. What a great villain. God, what right? a great villain. Oh, my villain. gosh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I love him. <laughs> he's just so well-written. Yeah, <sighs> he's brilliantly written. He, I've said this before, but he just continually makes me so angry. Just viscerally, I feel in my body how angry he makes me. After... How many years of being a bleach fan? <laughs> and that indicates to me how well written he is. Oh my uh, god. Hats off, Kubo. Jesus. But that is probably all I had for that episode. I just have one more thing. Okay. Which is very close to the end as Rose and Love are kind of gearing up to fight Stark, and it's clear that we're going to be pivoting to that fight mm-hmm. when um there's a bit stark kind of like shoots rose out of the sky and then he and lilinette the gun have a bit of a conversation mm-hmm. and i just watching these past couple of episodes as well as the episodes we're covering today every i just every time I hear a conversation between Stark and Lilinette and see an interaction between Stark and Lilinette. I just, maybe I'm taking it too far, but I just see it as a conversation, an, an internal conversation that one is having with oneself. So there's a moment when Lilinette is kind of pushing back against Stark uh, and he he wants her to shut up. So what he does is he knocks the gun against his own head, which to me, I saw that and I was like, you know that thing where you were just like in a spiral and you want to tell yourself to shut mm. up and you might like smack yourself in the phone? Fo- like, that's what I... Yeah. It just seems... I don't know. Everything Stark and the Lynette say to each other gets cooler if you think about it as a... Co- in my opinion. If you think about it as a conversation between between weird between one person that's a weird thing to say a conversation where it's just one one person internally the whole entire time and so hitting himself in the head I was like well yeah of course because your head is effectively where this whole entire debate is taking place yeah you can't agree with yourself uh that's all though yeah oh um so yeah moving on to episode 282 yeah let me see I w- I'm wondering, I'm checking, I'm trying to figure out whether it makes sense to do 282 and 283 together or not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm anticipating that I'm not going <laughs> to be able to stop myself from going off the rails and bopping between the two. Well, we don't see mm. Kuaku in this episode. No, you're right. Okay, I'll contain it. Let's do 282. <laughs> so 282, we've got manga chapters 372, The Metal Cudgel Flinger. 
And 373, Wolves Ain't Howl Alone. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that was, yeah. No, yes. Uh, so you know how you were talking about um, Stark and Lilinette talking? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Yeah. Some yeah. Which granted that was that was in the previous episode. I didn't get ahead of myself. <laughs> so in this episode, the whole Lilinette firing on her own is anime only. Lilinette doesn't Whoa. taunt love. Uh yeah. <laughs> that makes oh. I don't know whether I like that more or not. I decide actually. Um Rose releasing his Shikai to help love doesn't happen that early. Um, and you see that yeah, in the anime that, that felt... he has to de-shikai and then shikai again. Yeah, that was a little odd timing. It's also why I had, I've got to admit, I had a, a lot of trouble keeping the order of events straight when I was writing this summary. Mm. And as I was going through, I was like, I feel like some of this was to buy time. Yeah. 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 The whole Toshiro Hiyori Lisa versus Halibel scene, yeah, no, they don't even show up. We don't see them again until right at the end when oh. Toshiro is in Shikai, Hiyori's in Shikai. They're all in Shikai and they've all got masks on, but except for Toshiro. I really liked that conversation, actually. Mm. Oh, well. Um, there was a bit with Stark and Lynette when they're in the flames where they're just talking to each other itself and there's like a mini flashback. That was anime only. Mm-hmm. And then um, it takes two of Stark's blasts to bring Rose and Love to lose their masks in the anime, okay. whereas it's just one blast in the manga. Okay. Ooh, cool. That's cooler. Yeah. yeah. It so, makes them seem more powerful. It does. They were time super hard. They Which really also, were. Why? These three episodes could have been two episodes. I, I think it probably gave them more time to focus on the Kuraku stuff. But Yeah, I guess what... Mm, yeah. 281 I mean, and 282 could have been an episode and then leave 283 just how it is. Exactly. Or no, even... Don't, don't take time away. Because I, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I, we'll, we'll get there when we get there, but I remember 283... Like, that all seemed pretty much pretty straightforward, relatively. Re- relatively. There might have been a little yeah. bit of... Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> but um, if you also think about 284, which we've got next week, most of well, that I is... I haven't watched that one in no. years yet. Most of that is filler. So they could have expanded... They could have combined... They needed time, clearly. 282 and 283 and 284 into two episodes. Yeah, yeah. And then we could have just had everything together. Yeah, even though it doesn't seem like there were many differences, the fact that, you know, the whole Lilinette taunting and firing on love was all quite a lengthy bit. Um, yeah. And there were just, like, fights. The Toshiro, Hiyori, and Lisa took up a big chunk, and that whole thing was filler. Yeah. So even though, the, even though my notes aren't that long compared to the other one, it's still quite lengthy. Yeah. I think that's probably why I assumed it was canon because it was a little scene that wasn't really um i thought it was probably not filler because it was a well-written conversation that made sense and didn't jump around and that showcased character well i 
I guess if, if it was filler, I did think, I don't know, I thought it added something. I thought seeing Lisa and Hiori tag team like that was really, really cool. And the fact that they both looked at Toshiro and were like, this is how it is, and don't try to make it something it isn't, you ignorant little boy. That was so cool. Hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. They vote something good. <laughs> Anytime we get to see multiple visors working together, I love oh, it. Oh, so for sure. What you gonna do? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, <laughs> for a discussion point here, I've put it's Lethen and her pack because she's <gasps> Lethen. I know. I know. I which I suppose does it didn't really come up last episode. I don't think. I guess I might. I might have expected that Lethen would like Stark because wolves, but I haven't really heard. No, heard I, I don't haven't know either. She likes Stark or not? I because she. I know that she didn't really get particularly excited about any of the Iran cars. Not that I can recall. Uh, no. <laughs> but you'd think, I don't know. Maybe it's because they're not really wolves. They're explosions that look like wolves. Oh, so they don't count. <laughs> e- each one is um, a little bit of Stark's own soul. So, you know. He oh just my God, I know. Split his soul. Yep. Oh, he is so fucking dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, is that it for... Dif- are there more differences? I or is No, that there's it? no more differences. No, no more Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we can talk about this stuff now. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. He actually... Yeah, he's... His facial expression doesn't change, and it's not like his voice gets thick with inflection or, or anything. But as a person... So here's the thing. He is a legit... I don't know. He probably does deserve the title of Edgelord in a real and meaningful way. He's justified, but he's also so... I don't know. If it if it weren't more justified, it would be annoying, but because it is so... It sucks to be that alone, you know? Mm-hmm. It really, really sucks. So I kind of I get it. Yeah, um, you do kind of feel for him. Yeah, I fe- oh, I feel for him massively. Mm-hmm. The first time I this is this is the other no, I think I was three out of ten for a Ron Carr deaths where I cried. The first one being Zyle, I fucking sobbed because that again I've said it before. I think that's the shit of the Ron Carr deaths. That is, I think, the worst way to go. It takes so long. It's very unkind. It's painful. It's awful. Um, And if you rely on your mind your whole entire life and then someone is like, oh, by the way, you can't move, you can't speak, you can't fucking do anything, you can't interface with the world, that sucks. Um, Okiora, I cried because it's just sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And then this one. This one was the third. This is the third one. Um, And I I think throughout 282 and 283, I was just like, I feel for Stark really, really hard. And it's not like, oh, I relate. It's it's not even that. It's not, I think it's just, I think, it, I think it is just, I guess, empathy for a fictional character who has never even lived and yet <laughs> captures yeah. this really specific facet of experience that, yeah, oof. Mm. Uh, I thought that, love I thought we got to see some cool sides of love in this episode we did yeah yeah 
And it's not just because we got to see Hishikai, which is always going to be an exciting thing, but the way that he and Rose talk to each other when they're fighting, which again, another great example of two people who are very different, who fight together beautifully, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps because they're very different, who's to say? But his, you get to see why he was a captain in this episode, I think, you know? When he is looking at Stark and observing that he's, something is about to change because he's just lost a comrade. And the fact that his character type indicated, Rose is like, really, you think he cares about that? And Love is like, yeah, and that's why it's scary. Right, right on the money. Love absolutely nailed that analysis. Yeah, he did. And it really goes to show something as well. If you compare the two known captains of the seventh division, we've got Love and we've got <gasps> Komamora. And I feel Ooh. like Komamora would also kind of have that intuition and that the emotional um, capabilities to know and and kind of see that about a guy. Yes, great call. Yeah, the seventh division is a a funny one. So many of the divisions have such clear mission statements or guiding principles or premises. Seventh. I feel like they're just the the hodgepodge of we don't have a mission, we accept everyone and we're all happy and... Yeah, I think so. It doesn't matter what you believe in, you're welcome here. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is very that, I think. That's quite Mm -hmm. cool. I like that. But yeah, and I think as well, it was cool to see we have two strikingly different Shikais with these two as well. We've got Love and his flaming pickle. (laughs) Good God. That really sounds like something else. (laughs) (laughs) I think Yoriku is the one with the flaming pickle. Let's be real. And we've got um, Rose with his um, his whip, his kinshara. And oh my what, god, I know. What I love about Rose's shikai is that mm. it is basically a um, a shala tree, which a what? is it's a shala tree or um, oh shala. Tr- I thought you said sorry. That was just me not. Oh, that was okay. I that was you my said charlatry, and I thought that was a medieval weapon that I had never heard of, and then I realized, ah, yes, your accent means you don't say the R that way. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. sorry. That was on me. That was on me. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the shala, charlatry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's, when you look at pictures of a, we'll call it a shala tree, so it doesn't sound like there's an no, R No, 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 I know, I know where you are now. You don't have <laughs> yeah. to, no, just say it. I, and I, and I, I know, now that I can picture it, the word, I know, I know what you're referring to, yes. Okay. Um, the flowers at the end actually look like the end of Rose's whip. Rose's yeah. whip, that's hard to say. And it's just a, such a cool feature. And of course, it's got the whole musical undertones to it and the guitars. And you even saw mm. that a couple of episodes ago when they're all defeating the Menos Grandes. And he's yeah, got a yeah. very kind of musically inclined soul uh, because yeah. that comes across in his um, Shikai abilities and everything. So, yeah. Whereas yeah. Love is just a, a melee. A, a melee um, Either hit one. And yeah. burn. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But no, they're cool. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking about the, the all truly all of the visors have such This is maybe I don't think it's because Oh man. Okay, sorry. I'm go I'm trying to think about how to formulate this thought in order. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect somehow one way or another Aizen effectively hand-selected that group of people to be his next round of holification experiments. I'm sure he had a hand in that somehow, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. So, each of the visards has a very... I I feel like the visards all have Shikai and abilities that are more memorable than a lot of the others we see, and the visards maybe more than, not necessarily anyone else, like I think Kyoriko is a counterexample to this, for example, but more than a lot of people have Shikai that really let us know a lot about who they are. So, I almost wonder whether this group of people was, in Aizen's mind, really well qualified to be holification experiments because they had such strong senses of self. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pure speculation, but... No, yeah, no, I see and it. that's why they're so cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's, that's why they're... When they fight together, it's always really exciting because each of them leans in really hard to what they're good at. And they they work together effectively because they they each know themselves and their own abilities so well. Exactly. And I think as well, the more you spend time with someone, the more you're going to realize what they're mm -hmm. like. And for mm -hmm. example, we're going into the next episode, which we said we wouldn't, but it's not about Kuaku, it's actually about Hiyori. I said I wouldn't, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> if you look at Hiyori's, Hiyori has always come across, um, as we've seen her, as this impulsive, brash, rude, mm. always mm. kind of at people's heads. And then you see her Shikai, and it is exactly that. It is this sword yeah. with daggers and teeth. And it is yeah. that. It, it, it doesn't even have to be the kind of abilities that are shown with roses. No. Uh, like with roses or Shinji's. It is just the look of it. Whatever Shinji's does, of... we might find out one day. <laughs> we, still haven't, oh. we still haven't seen that. We still no. haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. Oh, I, did I read no. ahead? Did I skip ahead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought we had. I thought. Nope. Nope. That's. I skipped ahead. Never mind. Yep. <laughs> no, we've seen him. He's got, he's fucking, he has his Zompak toe out now. Least, yeah. No, he's not. No. That's fine. That, yes. Because um, Gein stopped him. We really him should and find a way to record. Like, I want you on that episode. <laughs> we should find a if we have to record that early, then, like, fine. I genuinely don't care. I, no, I think with our timings, I am going to be on it. <gasps> oh, my God. Good. Yeah, because it is literally the weekend. I we, we can record it, and I leave on my holiday in, like, two days later. Oh, my gosh. Okay, perfect. But Great. Let's yeah, do it. I, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I will be, um, I will be there. <laughs> I know. That said, last week's episode went fine without me there. Even though you both forgot I'm that my so son sustains sorry. a life-threatening oh energy God. and inju injury. <laughs> it's 
sorry. I am so sorry. Oh my god. No, no, that's okay. I forgot about Hachi's bed. It's like if it's not a character that you're focusing on or that you care a lot about, you're bound to forget things. I forgot about Hachi's badass moment. Neither of you is. I mean, (laughs) like whatever. We. I feel like universally we like we like Ugitake. People like him, but I'm not like it. Yeah, that's a that's a forgettable detail in this whole grand scheme of things. If you're not really invested, I'm not actually mad. I don't know. I'm like, it's actually it, delightful to hear you both realize that. By the way, yeah, because <laughs> of oh my god, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, we went on a tangent and just started speaking about Shinji. Oh god, yeah. I like seeing Rose and Love fight together. Both of them are cool. I like their powers. Yay! That's Yay. the button on that for me. <laughs> it was it was great. I had a really good time watching them. I thought it was fun. I liked seeing their relationship earnestly. Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, but that's really all I got for that one. Yeah. I feel like we should... Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think because the next thought that I have is more or less about... It's about Kyoriku, so I think it might actually fit in better with next episode. So yeah, let's let's go okay. ahead and do 283, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get these manga anime differences out of the way and then we can... Uh... Oh my god. Yeah, watch. The thing that I wanted to talk about is going to be not canon. <laughs> Okay, so manga chapters, we've got 374, Grey Wolf, Red Blood, Black Cloth, White Bone. Yeah, that, yup. God, I love that. <laughs> oh. And then 375, Execution, Extinction. Hmm, okay. Okay. Manga anime differences. I've written here, oh Lilinette. <laughs> Lilinette. Okay. Just yeah, Lilinette. I, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Because the reason is... After all the wolves blow up Love and Rose in the last episode, mm. we don't see them again. They're gone. That's it. They're done. So the, the whole conversation. Or Love and Rose? Both. Oh. <laughs> well, oh. lo- mainly oh, the wolves. Wait. Mainly really? the wolves. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So the whole conversation with Kuraku asking if Lilinette would disappear if he attacked the wolves oh, is null and void sure. because the wolves aren't there. They've already gone. Okay. Including yeah. the part where the wolves come out of the shadow later or yep including that that's anime only yep no well then frankly no wonder because that was the one moment when kyoriko was like whoa i didn't see that coming (laughs) um we had a lot more playing around with kuraku (laughs) see what i did there (laughs) (laughs) the manga goes straight into color demon but that's again because of the wolves uh because there's no wolves to attack kuraku he doesn't use spinning top he doesn't use um Uh, giant on the mountain so he doesn't have to use those because there's no wolves I actually am not surprised by that because, and I, or rather, I'm not surprised that those things made it back into this episode because then Kyoriku gets to just explain all of his shikai in one go, and it's very clear for the viewers. That okay. made sense to me. It yep. is definitely just here for the fight explain. Definitely, yeah. Which, not mad. It's so cool. <laughs> I love this. Is one of my favorite shikai, and it's not just because it's, or rather. I think it goes in reverse. I think I like Kyoriku as much as I do because I really like his powers now that I think about it. Yes, his powers are... Mm -hmm. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, (sighs) it's so cool. Um, Anime brought Starks reminiscing earlier, so it was a little bit of backwards and forwards, toing and froing. And then in the anime, when we are fighting Halibel, Toshiro is in Bankai, whereas he's actually only in Shikai in manga. That's better. Yeah. Give the boy a rest. Right. 
I, I'm d- directing this to the anime specifically. Give me a rest. Bless him. I know. Like, he'd lost almost th- all three of his pedals. Dude, can't go Bankai again. He's probably yeah. got a timeline oh, on it. Exactly. That's a limitation. Yeah. He probably, it probably takes a couple of days for his flower petals to grow back. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking at like <laughs> amateur. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was it. But again, even though my notes are pretty small, the segments that were filler made up a huge chunk. Like the whole Lilinet okay. fight, Lilinet talking, um, everything to do with wolves, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, the floor is yours, oh. Del. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Squeal I don't away. Have... It's less about that. I guess the first thing... I'll pick it up from that comment that I was going to make from the last episode and use it as a segue into this one, I suppose. Okay. Which is, so, you know the bit, in the anime anyway, when Stark has been hit by, not Love's big flame thing yet, but just like a big old bonk on the head from the flaming pickle. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Uh, And he's just kind of lying there. And there's... A bit when I mean I'm sure I know that this is probably not in the manga but it's an instance of this feels like an insight into character that's that seems true uh, uh Lilinette says something like I thought you were trying to avenge Baragon's death you're pathetic and he's just he's just lying there thinking about how he can't do the one thing that he said he was supposed to do, how he doesn't have the motivation to. That whole, like, the same energy as not being able to, like, haul yourself out of bed because you're just in that spiral. So, interesting-ish that for a good chunk of these really high-octane fights... What was Kyoraku doing? He was also lying on the ground. And I know he got hurt, but the thought that I had this time was, is it possible that similar thoughts are running through Kyoraku's head? Is he maybe lying there, especially having seen Lisa come back and kick him in the head? Mm. Is he lying there like... Like, t- like, with, like, having a negative self-talk moment until he could get himself back up. Is he there, like, how did you let yourself get hit like this? Your best friend is down for the count. How do you, how do you call yourself a captain? What are you doing here? Like, is, is there something, is, I wonder, is there any chance that there's a parallel there between Stark and Kyoriku? And then only when either just like the right thought comes into their mind or some external stimulus makes it so that they really can't lie there any longer because the stakes have just gotten too high like did he why did he wait so long to get involved again and i just wondered if that could be why again no nothing nothing in these episodes to actually back that up but Mm -hmm. the thought crossed my mind oh for sure like i fully theorize that Kuraku feels a whole lot of guilt with what happened to Lisa because oh he, yes he pra- he Absolutely practically was yes. like can you go so you know there's a whole lot of guilt weighing on his mind and and so seeing her come back probably just brought all that guilt back to the surface yes so yeah he was kind of struggling to get his mind around things and 
everything. So, you know, like, and you, yep. he already states that his Zampacto wasn't in the mood. So that oh, technically yeah. would mean that his heart wasn't in it, right? That's right. That's right. But, n- but now that, you know, um, Lisa's back, he's seen that she's thrived, that, yeah, he still feels guilty about what happened, but she is well, alive and, and she's and doing love. well. And seeing Rose and love and seeing these people that... Yeah. So that kind of helped him bring his heart back into it and get his <laughs> Zampacto in the mood. That's not the way I was going. But... With, yeah. But, but, I don't... No, but there... I feel like there is something to that, though, actually. Granted, we... So, and it's... Is this the first time we get confirmed that his spirit is female, by the way? Yeah. I, I, I don't know that we've heard that actually confirmed anywhere, which is another just, like, star, not necessarily, but it is... When Stark was so lonely that he split his soul into a Lynette, he sort of generated a female person, and Kyoraku's... Like, the, the other half of... Like, Kyoraku... Uh, see, seems to is is a male identifying person um, who uses a male first person pronoun when he speaks about himself and stuff. Uh, and then his spirit is 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 female identifying, and so there's another. Both of them contain that duality as well, and that experience of personhood potentially. Mm-hmm. I just think they have a lot in common. It really sucks that they can't just hang out. <laughs> I because Kyoriku could also do it. Like, Kyoriku is powerful enough. Aizen was in a position where he could just kind of walk up and be okay with Stark's massive power levels. Kyoriku absolutely is strong enough to withstand that. 100%. Yeah. So we needed Kuraku to find Stark first, not Aizen. Yeah, except Kyoriku would never bother going to Waco Mundo and fucking shit. Like, he doesn't want that. Why would he do that? No, no, true. No point. Yeah. He doesn't have the time. Like, he's... What would be, he doesn't have the energy. He doesn't, like, he would just, wa- like, why? Why would he do that? <laughs> There's no sake in Wego Munda. <laughs> oh my God. Do you think that's true? <gasps> they, they don't need sustenance. Like the whole tea party God, in Barragan right. with the water. I'm like, what is that even oh for? Show. God, what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's my little segue thought, I suppose. Another mm-hmm. thought I had was, it seems to me, when when Kyoriku first intervenes and Rose and Love are looking at it wide-eyed and slack-jawed, Love straight up says, what is that? Which I think indicates, even though he and Kyoriku, and, and I guess I suppose Rose, but we know that Rose was such a new captain at the beginning of Turn Back the Pendulum. Yeah. So even Love, I, I got the sense that Rose, oh, excuse me, that Love hasn't seen Kyoriku Shikai before. It seemed like a surprise. Yeah, and I think where would he have seen it? We've not had yeah. a fight like this magnitude where captains are working together. So, no. yeah, I think a lot of people won't have seen each other's Shikai or even Bankai unless they went around and said, hey, I'll show you mine if I show you yours, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Well, I suppose should should we should we talk about Kyoriku's abilities? Is that is that worth doing? Is I said su- like I suppose so. Like I I've written I was, down I'm... here, yeah. I've written down here that this is literally his inner child, literally coming to play. 
Oh like, my gosh. Wait, that's Ku- cool. Yeah. So Kuraku's Zampak Toe Power is to turn childhood games into a reality. A dangerous reality, right. but a reality. Right. But who plays games but child? And we always speak about inner children. And an inner child is part of your soul. So this is literally Kuraku's inner child coming to the forefront. Yeah. It's also in thinking about following that inner child thread for a bit, what can happen when you're an adult is your inner child can come to the surface in situations that you uh, never learned to handle maturely. I'm explaining this in a super reductive way, and I don't have a psych degree or anything like that, but the idea that we also don't know anything about Kyoraku's childhood. No. Um, but the idea that this this power manifests in a dangerous way because he... Something we do know about Kyoraku is that he... And this is gonna... Oh man, this is gonna, He's such a complicated person, so I feel like everything I say about him is reductive. But he sleeps during the day and drinks a lot and again reductive those are not necessarily signs of a well-adjusted person Mm-mm. um so there are ways in which i think it is reasonable to speculate that uh there there might have been some formative stuff that he needed when he was young that he didn't get uh whatever Whatever that is. And so now that he is an adult with Soul Reaper powers, he plays games that kill people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I can see where you're getting at, though. But mm. So it's, it's like he is living his childhood how he feels like it should have been lived. He's finally... This is his way of getting... Um, that recognition or maybe his maybe his childhood just simply wasn't that fun like you know so he now he's getting to have the fun and be the lazy person without the pressure on him that he couldn't Mm. be when he was growing up yeah it's that or it's a coping mechanism that worked really well when he was growing up and now that he's an adult it's still kind of one of the only coping mechanisms he knows hmm for better or for worse. Yeah. Oh. Baby Kuraku shirking his duties to go play spinning tops because he doesn't want to face the reality of what it takes to be who he was at that age. Yeah. Genuinely. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. Wow. I guess I don't really have... This is another one where, I, I of course, I always... I love watching this episode and it just flies by so quickly. Uh, and this is one that I have rewatched a couple of times. And... The explanations in in the episode are so clear, I think, of what the powers do, and it's just mm-hmm. cool. And all I really have to say about it is, thing number one, it's cool, and then I guess thing number two, there's not much to expand on, but the idea that we get this insight into how ruthless and brutal Kyoraku really is, slash can be, when he has to be, which then kind of also calls to light, to me anyway, because of course, the question of, you remember back at the end of the rescue arc when Yamamoto looked at Kyoraku and Ugitake, both of them in their shikai, which can you imagine if fucking 
Yamamoto had to play the children's games if we'd gotten to see that part. God. (laughs) Mad that we didn't. Genuinely mad that we didn't, because that would have been so fucking fun. Um, But... Yamamoto says that Kyoriku and Ukitake have abilities that work well together. So knowing that this is what Kyoriku Shikai can do, the question that comes up for me is always, so like thing number one, is there more of, because of course he, we got to see his Shikai for like two seconds. Is there is there more of Ukitake's Shikai that we didn't get to see that works well with Kyoriku's games? Uh, and what does, like, Ukitake is this, kind nice guy and he is supportive and he's very fatherly and it then makes me wonder always Kyorku is his best friend so he definitely knows about this side of Kyorku we can even say we, and it's reasonable to say we know that Ukitake has seen his shikai too so this is his best friend mm-hmm. what's what 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 sides of his personality haven't we seen if this is the guy he's been hanging out with most closely for 2,000 years? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I just love how twisty and sneaky and unkind these powers are. I really like how no punches are pulled. Like, there's, it's not, it's fun to watch, but, like, it's not fun. None about, it's, it's, it's so, it's so fucking real. These powers yeah. are so so fucking real and it's interesting as well because he states that um everybody within the the reactor of his zanpakuto has to play these games so at this point we just saw stark and kuraku play however if love and rose had been any closer they would have had to play as well if okataki was still around he would have had to play as well like it's not just basically those two so i i suppose the question is is like can he maybe control the radius of how far that goes or were they just far enough away that they could not get they weren't close and or were they playing by themselves like you know yeah, yeah. in the background i i so i imagine that they were if they were in the radius they just weren't important to the fight anymore and so neither stark nor frankly once kyoriku's in the picture stark's not gonna pay attention to rose and love anymore <laughs> i don't think because he was just so fucking fixing i mean granted at this point it's like sorry dude i guess you're not getting your wish at all because he was so fucking obsessed with seeing kyoriku's bankai a second ago yeah kyoriku at least provides an interesting fight for stark i don't think he was particularly interested when he was fighting love and rose yeah no i think it was uh there wasn't really anything keeping him there. The only thing he was doing there was these were two opponents he had to fight to prove, to kind of pay Eisen back for allowing Stark to come with him. Whereas yeah. when Kuraku came back, that's when he's like, this was his mission. His mission was to see Kuraku, to fight Kuraku probably, yeah. I think is what we got from previous episodes. Yeah. So these bows yeah. in love were just in his way, and once he had defeated them, he would have gone to fight Kuraku. Right, right. And you know, Kyoriku is somebody that Aizen, we know, has known to keep an eye on for a bit, because he went out of his way during Turn Back the Pendulum to make sure that Kyoriku specifically saw that duplicate so that Aizen would have an appropriate alibi. 
And I don't think he would have done that if he thought Kyoraku was... He th I think Aizen thinks that Kyoraku is maybe a step above some of the other captains in terms of observational skills or maybe even... I mean, maybe back then, I don't know, credibility with Central 46, which is hilarious. But So I feel like it's more to do with his his strategic capabilities than it is to do with something like that. But mm -hmm. either way, I think Aizen has known that Kyoraku is important and impactful for a while. Yeah. Mm. Change of topic. That just adds to Kuaku's guilt. The fact oh. that he testified and said that I, I saw Ku I saw I That's just hit me. I was like, yes. he saw Aizen. So yeah. then Aizen defects, and then he's like, well, now I feel bad. Like, you know, that just highlights uh, yeah. his guilt. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And by the way, that also, I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but it, it absolutely clarifies why he is so protective of Nanao. Like, Nanao mm -hmm. is not here. And Nanao is what? You not think here, gonna, no. You think he's going to let that happen again? No, no. fucking way. Oh, my God. Absolutely not. No. He would... He wouldn't be okay if that if something like that happened again. I mm -hmm. I mean he's already not okay. But can you imagine if something happened to Nanao? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Nanao. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. The only other thing I have to say about this episode is uh, another comment Love makes actually, where he, right? So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, so, Kyoraku stabs Stark. I just, I was looking at my notes, and I have a note right above my comment about love that literally just says, oh my god, fucking comma, 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 look at him. And I know I'm referring to Kyoraku looking all, <laughs> like, be beat up and, fuck, like, whatever, beat up my faves. I, my fa only my favorite trope ever. Um, <laughs> anyway. Love looks at Kyoraku after he finishes Stark off, and <laughs> Love is like, like, oh, I can see you haven't changed. You still have this tendency to not uphold the code of honor, like interfering with another person's battle, which also made me think about Ukitake, because I was like, going to say, that best like friends, Ukitake, and I know yeah. we just saw Ukitake get involved with Kyoraku's conflict with Stark or whatever when he jumped in with his Shikai, but so... I don't know. I guess I'm... <laughs> I I am so curious. I think it's something that I... I, I don't know. I am I heard this line and it made me want to write a fic and, and figure out where this com comes from, kind of. But the idea that Kyoraku doesn't care... And he even says it. He says, Only amateurs would give up victory for the sake of their own code. We captains can't afford such a luxury, especially not once war breaks out. Um, and everybody is at fault, but the, I guess it got me spinning a little bit about what are grounds for interfering with somebody's battle and what, what aren't. And then it made sense to me. So I, I imagine because Ukitaki's whole thing is there are two kinds of fights, the fights for pride slash honor mm -hmm. and the fights for life. Um, this one seems like it was a fight for life. So in situations where lives are actually on the line, fuck honor save people mm -hmm. which may or may not be how love feels yeah and shinigami don't have that much honor anyway especially when it comes to fighting hollows because you know they fight them from no. behind or they fight them like head on so the fact that they're fighting a hollow honor does kind of go out the window somewhat yes yes but yeah i think oh man i think um that's... the only thing that oh, i've God. really got Okay, yeah. Is 
I love my timelines. So, ooh, good. We had so when Eisen approached Baragon, they were wearing their Shihakuso and their captain's Hayori. So that's yeah, and Eisen bef- still had glasses. And Eisen still had glasses. His hair was still floppy. Gein was captain, however, so that kind mm-hmm. of puts the timeline to um, after Renji and Co have joined the academy. Mm-hmm. Whereas yep. this time when we're seeing um, Aizen, he is in his Hueco Mundo, so he has defected. So it goes to show that Pro- Stark is probably, if not the last person, to get added to the team. Yeah. Whereas Baragon yeah. could be one of the first. Yeah, that just seems... It seems correct to me that Aizen would go, okay... You're the king of Waco Mundo. Gotta recruit you for because that's another thing as well as I suppose if if this self-proclaimed king of Waco Mundo sides with Aizen, then other people might feel more inclined to join up with Aizen just because of that influence, I guess. Not that I get mm-hmm. the sense that Baragon was well liked. I think as well that maybe Aizen knew that in order to move to Waco Mundo. He is going to need to get rid of any competition. And Baragon, as yep. a self-proclaimed king of Hueco Mundo, oh, has definitely. territory and hold over pretty much the whole of Hueco Mundo. So mm-hmm. this was Aizen, Toshiro, Toshiro, Aizen, Tosin, and Gein's <laughs> <laughs> scouting mission to see if the move to Hueco yeah. Mundo was going to be possible so they could set up operations. They got rid of Baragon and then... Stark was one of the last persons to join and subsequently gets number one, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I feel like that happens. O- oh my God. I Yeah, I feel like that happens often where there's a person who is really, really powerful and they're they're skilled and other people recognize this and then someone approaches them and says, hey, we're giving you this position of really, really high authority now. And they go, what? Hmm. (laughs) Just, you know, thinking about stuff and things. Stuff and things. Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think there is something to be said about the, the folks who are actually powerful aren't the folks who seek power you know they don't need to they're already there and then often the folks around them go well you're really powerful so here's this leadership position or this position of authority yeah yeah poor stark but yeah and then we got what stark's getting out of this stark is getting friends he's getting a pack (laughs) which frankly that's such good motivation it really is oh are the people who are with you are they are they strong i mean gosh lord knows i mean has stark ever sat at a table with other people before Mm -hmm. probably not but it also but it also shows that you know all the times we've seen stark apart from the tea parties where he's probably forced to sit with them um (laughs) he's usually in his room and it's just him and lynette yeah. So he's probably still kind of terrified that he's I mean, going he's to... he's definitely an introvert. <laughs> he is. But he's also probably still kind of terrified that he's going to... This is all going to fall to pot because he's going to walk yeah. out and people are just going to die. Like, he doesn't want factiones around, the other factiones around them to die. And then yeah. his newfound friends kind of hate on him because he killed all their factiones, you know. So he's probably yeah. scared and keeps himself to himself because he doesn't want to let this opportunity pass him by. 
yeah, worried that it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Which is so heartbreaking because it's not even that great. It's just... There's a, there's a lot that's shitty about the way Aizen does things. <laughs> and yet, Stark is okay with it because it means he gets to sit at a table with other people sometimes. Yeah. Oh, man. Talk about accepting the crumbs, you know? <sighs> oh, buddy. Yeah, I really like him, and his death makes me sad, and I understand why it happens, and I love this fight, and I love thinking about Kyoraku and Stark together and how they are similar, even though they're on other sides of the opposite sides of the battle. And yeah, that's kind of it. I just... I just like it. It makes me feel things. Yeah. And that's that's it. I don't have anything poetic or buttony to say about it, really. It's just, oh, my heart. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm all good for that one as well. Oh. Yeah. Bless. Well, all right. Alrighty. And we have no... Who's on the cover this week? Because we didn't start a new volume. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah because that's fine we only had what two four six chapters <laughs> good good crap. yeah yeah and like well and for the audience a chapter in the manga is probably roughly around about 20 22 pages yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> not that much at all yeah i suppose i don't have great perspective for that all the time because i've only ever i don't i don't own any physical volumes i just i've read them online so uh-huh. mm. Uh, and in apps and stuff. <sighs> okay. I suppose that brings us to our Shinigami Cup Peroxide Edition. It does. Who wore it best <laughs> this week, Nomi? I struggled with these so much. But um, mm. my who wore it best is Barragan and his self-proclaimed king title. He tried. Hey. But yeah, he didn't have much of a castle. <laughs> no. Well, no. It's just... It's open concept, okay? Yeah. <laughs> open plan. <laughs> it's very modern. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> um, mine this week is pretty literal. Uh, it's just, it's Kyoraku as he <laughs> keeps taking clothes off. <laughs> uh, like, with intention, it's not totally ar- arbitrary. Like, thing number one, he I realize this now, he took the kimono off because we get the sense that it does mean something to him, but... It's less effective to play Iro Oni if you're wearing the kimono. It's less effective. <laughs> it does. Like, cause... Stark's not wearing pink. Why would you do that? <laughs> There's no point. Stark could just... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yes. Kyoriko is he keeps taking his clothes off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, right. Best ship this week. Uh, Stark and his need for companionship. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> It's so strong, he creates another half. You know, he creates another him. Oh my god, that makes mine sound doubly stupid this week. (laughs) Do you watch the after credits scenes? Yes. The little... Good, okay. Because my ship this week is Shinji's Osaka accent and Gin's Kyoto accent. (laughs) I remember watching it and going, oh my god. A match made in Kansai. (laughs) The 
because I've uh, always <laughs> known somewhere living rent free in the back of my mind that Shindy has an Osaka oh, yeah. accent, and I had oh, never been yeah. able to pinpoint it until the end yes. credits scene, and I was like, "That's where it's from." Yeah, 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 and and it's a nice little breakdown for people who aren't familiar with that, by the way. Which it occurs to me, what do they do in the dub? What do they oh. do in the? I want to find out now. That's so because they neither of them. There's no such thing as it. I mean, not no such thing. The notion of saying, oh, I have an Osaka accent and you have a Kyoto accent doesn't make sense if you're speaking English in the same way. It doesn't land oh, the same yeah, way. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know so what I mean? It, because they're both, they're both Kansai dialects, but it's like Gein says, like, what do you mean? I'm so much more refined. And which is the stereotype? That is the stereotype. Like, Shinji sounds like he's from a backwater place, which is another thing I fucking love about him. Um, so, Huh. I'm going to investigate that later. I'm curious about the dub. Yeah, because I think they have different accents. Like, someone's got, like, a New York accent or... Um, it's I can't not, because mo- I've, I've seen the dub, and it, I, it doesn't sound to me... I've never really been able, in the dub, to place Shinji or Gein in a regional spe- regionally specific way. Mm-hmm. Gein just kind of sounds, let me, I could probably, like, I feel like Shinji, Shinji has a bit of a, like, occasionally he chops the G off of the end of I-N-G words kind of thing, which is what they do in the manga. But the idea of, like, 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 because the way Gein speaks is like, what do you mean, Aizen? I'm over here. I'm exaggerating (laughs) massively. And then Shinji is kind of just like. Like, I feel like when he's in the classroom, he's like, hi, Orihime, I'm over here. It's just like he's just being really, really loud when he's doing the persona thing. And then when he's serious, it's like, oh, what do you mean, Aizen? I've I've known about you since you were in your mama's womb. And it's just kind of that. It's just kind of, I don't know. I can't, I'm obviously impersonating them really badly. No shade to these voice actors. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. You both do a very good job. (laughs) Yeah, they do. But yeah, no, it's Mm. interesting to hear how they translated that into the like the that specific end credit scene into the dub yeah yeah honestly let me go to crunchyroll oh no wait they don't it's have not gonna be on crunchyroll. on crunchyroll i know i just remember i remembered because i was been blah, blah, blah. oh man no not fucking shinji from neon genesis stop it it does uh, that to me every single time i'm like every i don't know what time I do, not respect. To, <laughs> I do not need to have to specify which Shinji I'm Googling Google. Should well, know I me d- by I now. I just <laughs> fucking, I should have, I'm also multitasking to be fair. But, <laughs> oh, hang on. Okay. Yeah. Roger Craig Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so he actually, sounds like Sonic the Hedgehog. That's because he is Sonic the Hedgehog, but still. <laughs> I've never seen that but i know you mention it every now and then it's the wreck it wealth specifically sonic the sonic the hedgehog the sonic I've in wreck it wealth you never either. seen wreck it wealth so oh sorry. nah there's a lot that i haven't seen um i just don't remember shinji having a distinct accent in the like it's not like a joey wheeler situation it's absolutely yeah. not that you know no we'll see now i'm just on uh sorry Oh, some of these some of these video links are taking me straight to the fandom wiki page. That's interesting. I don't need to solve this mystery right now, but I'm certainly <laughs> curious. What episode was it? Was Maybe it I two... need to solve this mystery right now? Actually, hang was it two eighty two? Yeah, I'm trying to find it in English though. That's the yeah. Uh, 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 it was the end of two eighty. The first one, two eighty one. Ah, okay, right. 
Oh fuck yeah! I think I I think I got it. Uh, it 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 exists on Hulu. Hang on, I'm gonna find. Uh, out. I, I think it is. I actually am gonna find out before we wrap this because. No, yeah, I'm I am, super curious. Yeah, I like. I feel like it would be like I'm not gonna remember to look it up later. I'm just not. So, okay, that's two ninety two. Also, the seasons are organized in a really strange way on Hulu. Okay, okay. There's the dub. It's it's like you've watched all of these already. Yes, I know. Uh, <laughs> oh, money in the bank. Let's go. Okay. Give me a sec. Okay, skipping past the ending theme. Which, by the way, if you've never heard Junichi Suwabe's cover of this, Grimjaw's voice actor of Echoes, it is so haunting. It is so beautiful. Ooh. Oh, here we go. Same region. Hang on a minute. Okay, this is actually, this is pretty good. They don't really make it. Okay, here. Okay, I'm just going to read it. Okay. So, uh, I, I'm not hearing a, a strong regional accent from either of these voice actors as they speak. Here, here we go. These are the words. What they say is... Shinji, Gein, you and I are both from the same region. We should get to know each other better. Gein says, I doubt you know anything about where I'm from. We're not even in the same league. Shinji says, that's kind of closed-minded. Gein says, you're obviously coarse and lack elegance, which, (laughs) no comment. Um, And then Shinji says, that's it. I swear on my homeland, I'm taking you down. (laughs) But yeah, listening to them speak, they both just sound like they're general American in different fonts. Yeah. Yeah, neither of them sounds like, nobody sounds like, because th- that's true, like, often when you're trying to replicate a Kansai, di- Kansai dialect in in English, in spoken English, you will go either, it's like American Southern, which, again, reductive, the South is so huge, and there's so much accent variation across the whole American South, I digress, um, you get American Southern, or you get, like, Brooklyn sometimes, mm. and I've never really seen anything but that to represent Kansai. There might be others. Listeners, if you know about others, please let me know because you know I love this shit. But anyway, that took a hot second. Um, <laughs> and I think it's infinitely better in the sub because you can make the joke about Kansai accents and it actually works because they both actually have Kansai accents. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Shinji saying on behalf of my homeland, he doesn't have a homeland. He's been a nomad for the past 100 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ugh. Uh, speaking of being um uh, a nomad for the past hundred years i also this this is why i think we got to see rose's powers this episode i i can't remember if i've said this on the podcast before or like just to you in general but the idea of shinji and rose like getting to go and see the beatles when they first come to japan yeah. together shut up can you can you imagine can you imagine i love that they just ah. Uh. i love it so much like for it doesn't have to be the beatles but also like why not they were there right no yeah they were definitely there for the beatles every major yeah. kind of band that we've had in the past 100 years they were there for, whether it was first rolling stones concert in japan can, they, can they had imagine? front row standing seats only at live aid in 1980 yeah you know? they were there oh wow that really <laughs> did things to my heart oh my god they could have <sighs> oh my god that's cool. Yeah. Shit. Maybe they're in the sing-along to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Rose, like, I don't think this is going to be a hit. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, we can, anyway, before we get too carried away with headcanons, should we do fandom shoutouts? We should week? do fandom shoutout. yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. No, kind of. Not really. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so my 
a fandom shout out in honor of this episode with Kuaku. I have Ooh. some Kuaku and Nanao art. And it's kind of oh. alternate universe Kuaku Nanao. Ooh, okay. And this. <gasps> Whoa, wait, this is. Oh, this is cool. This is like Snake. Right? Yeah. Ooh, this is. This is he, looks, he looks so much like Snake from, from Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of got that kind of that kind of vibe to it with what they're wearing. Um, I love this. This is by nine two three zero tm underscore niji on Twitter. Whoa! But yeah, the lines in this are super cool. Mm-hmm. The shading and just the just how they look like they've got Kuraku's sm- smile done really well and then yeah. Nanao's just like straight face no nonsense serious face on yeah 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 oh brilliant oh cool mine this week is also a piece of art of Kyoraku and it's I have been waiting for this episode to share this piece of art it is super nostalgic for me because the the reason Tumblr is important to me at all is because it was a fandom space back when none of my friends, uh, none of my friends watched anime or read manga. And I didn't have anybody to talk about these things with. Mm -hmm. And then I found Tumblr and a whole new world opened up. So there was a period of time when basically all I was reblogging was bleach content. (laughs) And this is what, this is so, this is like, it's such a specific highlight, but this is one of the first pieces of Kyoraku fan art that I remember reblogging. And it's just really beautiful. And uh, I, the link I'm sending you is not actually a Tumblr link because it's uh, it's like a repost with a source kind of thing. It's oh, actually yeah. from Pixiv. Uh, this artist is called Sharkin with two A's. And it's, oh man, the way it captures Kyoraku's attitude about his shikai, attitude about himself, it's mostly black and white, which I think references uh, the, the way that he plays with color in one of his games. There's a set of arms oh, kind of wrapping wow. around, like feminine arms kind of holding mm-hmm. his chest. It's it's so beautiful. So I've been waiting for the Shikai reveal to share this piece of art for but probably since this podcast began. Actually, yeah. I just this is one of my favorite pieces of Bleach fan art of all time. I just love it. It's so good. Like the little pops of color from the green, the yellow, the blue, and the red, and like yeah. is a da- Daruma? Is that what that uh, yeah, is? Yeah, Dharma doll. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just oh my gosh, it's incredible. Yeah. Although his hair's slightly Isenish, with the little uh, the little thing at the front. Yeah. Anyway, he's, he's got that though. He's got he does. That. He's a little bit in the yeah. Front. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it is amazing. Oh my god! It almost looks like his hair is down here, actually, and like he's not wearing the ponytail. Like it's just kind of falling. It's hard to tell because the arms are blocking where the ponytail might be. But I don't yes. see. Yes. Yeah. I don't see the hairpins either. No, I don't. No. Yeah. Ah. Uh, he's so beautiful to me. I just so think he's good. a really beautifully designed character. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anything else, Nomi? Uh, no. I think we're good. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> oh. Pour one out for my boy. Um Jeez, I feel I oh my god, I, I feel like someone actually died. I'm losing it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> someone 
did. We lost Stark and we lost Bag and we I lost mean. Alabau. Yeah. That's what I mean. I also realized I said my boy, and this is like I've said it before. I have so many fucking boys. I was talking about Stark, but I could have been talking about literally anybody. <laughs> God. On that note, you wonderful souls. I think we're going to call that the end of another episode. If you like what you heard and you want to get involved, you can find us by searching for The Sayrete on Instagram and T Sayrete on Twitter. Now, Ichigo and Rukia might reap souls, but we are hoping to reap some five star reviews. And that is where you come in. Make like our favorite orange-haired protector and Ichi go to iTunes and Spotify to rate us, review us, and make us feel like number one. Not Stark, though, because he's dead. To those of you listening on YouTube, don't forget to be like Chad and give us that good, good thumbs up. We really appreciate it. On the next episode of the podcast, we'll be covering anime episodes 284, Chain of Sacrifice, Halibel's Past, which does contain some expansion on canon, and that's a note in the episode title, so get ready. Yes. Uh, episode 285, The Hundred Year Grudge, Hiyori's Revenge, <laughs> and episode 286, Protect Karakura Town. Ichigo towards the real world. <gasps> we'll see you souls then. Till next time. Bye. 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 Bye.